1: Hey, guys, Willie Geist here with another episode of the Sunday Sit Down Podcast. My thanks, as always, for clicking and listening along. Very excited about today's conversation for you with one of the most talented and successful artists in all of music. His name is Chris Stapleton. If you don't know Chris... He arrived in Nashville from his home state of Kentucky in 2001, quickly became one of the most sought after songwriters in town, writing songs for the biggest artists in Nashville, making a handsome living, doing really well, still playing in his own band. And then in 2015, he releases his debut album, Traveler, which has become an iconic album. Goes multi-platinum, wins him a bunch of awards, including Grammys. 2017, he released two more albums, and now he's out with his fourth. It's called Starting Over. It's really good. I got a chance to listen to it. Uh, It'll be available for download soon if it's not already. Stapleton um, and I got together a few years ago for a Sunday sit-down on my show Sunday today at his farm outside of Nashville. Uh, His family has grown quite a bit since then. He and his wife, Morgan... A talented singer in her own right in the band with Chris plays the tambourine. You'll hear from her in our conversation in just a little while. They now have five children and they've been locked down in quarantine. So he and I got together to talk again, to catch up about his new album starting over, to talk about what he's been doing in quarantine, about having to end his tour after one show back in March when the world kind of shut down. And we should point out, as we're talking, each in our, you know, this Zoom universe, you're all living in it too. I'm home. He's at a location in Nashville. He's got stuff going on in the background. That day, I was cleaning the leaves out of my gutters in preparation for a big rainstorm. I had to come in to talk to Chris, and one of the guys who was helping me didn't realize we were inside talking to Chris. So he's up stomping around on the roof, slamming ladders against the side of the house. So you'll hear Chris and I stop every once in a while and maybe refer to the men on the roof as I had to get up and walk out on our interview. You don't hear that very often, the guy doing the interview walking out. So please enjoy conversation with just one of the best and most talented guys in all of music, the great Chris Stapleton, right now on the Sunday Sit Down Podcast. Chris, it's good to see you, man. Thanks for doing this.
2: Man, thank you. Thank you for taking the time.
1: We, a little look behind the scenes for our viewers and listeners. You and I already been talking for a while, and we were talking about what it was like going back to March when all this started. And I asked you if your tour ever started, because that's right around when it was set to get going. And you said you played one show. We did. And came off stage, and then that was it since then. March 11th, I think it was.
2: Yeah, we, we, uh, you know... Things, you know, there were rumblings of I don't know. Maybe we should shut some things down uh, before we played the show that night. And I was like, Well, we're here. Let's play the show, I, and then we'll, uh, you know, kind of have a little uh, meeting after and, and see what we can uh, assess. And by the time that I got off stage, uh, the NBA had completely, you know, pulled the plug on things and kind of, you know, full-on shutdown, which you know was a pretty jarring thing to hear it, i don't i you know i've never heard anything like that before it's like well yeah. this is a serious thing that we need to evaluate and we shut it down uh that night and said uh we were, we were in texas i think or on our way to texas you know we had a big show in arlington with uh, willie nelson and uh, it, things we were looking forward to doing uh, a lot of things this year that uh just didn't happen so but you know we uh, we did take uh our tour t-shirt and we turned it into the ones that we originally had. We turned into masks. Uh, We found a company that made masks out of them, but then uh, we made a new tour show shirt. I don't know if it's out yet or not, but uh, it's uh, the one show on the back that we played and (coughs) just me with a bandana superimposed Uh on my face. And so you can buy that. And then it goes to, uh, you know, uh, music charities.
1: That's awesome. That's a collector's item. Yeah. I mean, that was the night, President Trump makes the Oval Office address. NBA shuts down. Tom Hanks announces he has coronavirus. You play one show. And at that point, I think most of us thought, all right, we're down for a couple of weeks or we didn't know if you think back to that time. So when did it settle in for you that, oh, we may have to we may have to postpone this entire deal. This whole tour might have to wait till next year.
2: Well, i I'm I'm uh unfortunately I, i'm one of those guys that has the worst case scenario brain and then i kind of work backwards from there so um you know i i had that as a possibility the instant we shut things down but particularly with everybody else kind of shutting things down so um you know we we tried some rescheduling initially and then when that didn't work we said well let's just let's just move move it to next year and and hope for the best and that's uh, we made that call and and Obviously, right now sitting here, uh, it, it being the time that it is, it was it was the right call. We didn't we didn't know at the time, but.
1: So, what has uh, stay at home been like for you and Morgan with your new baby? Congratulations! You got five of them at home. I imagine a lot of diapers, a lot of time with the kids. Yeah, a lot
2: of time with the kids, a lot of a lot of diapers, and a lot of uh, you know just <laughs> just fun. You know, just fun. It's fun. It's fun to you know get to spend that time uh, with our kids that uh, we normally the amount of time that we've gotten to spend with our children this year is, is, uh, as it is for everybody else, uh, you know, uh, a big change. And, and so it's cool in a lot of ways. And then it's also like our rhythm is off where we have these work times, but everything becomes remote or everything, um, you know, is not there <laughs> non-existent, you know? So we, um, but it's been cool. You know, I, I think everybody, I, I always ask people if they've picked up any, uh, like, new hobbies. And for me, I, I picked up, I'm riding a bicycle a lot more. I hadn't ridden a bicycle since I was a kid, but I, I got a hold of a bicycle and started taking off riding a bicycle around the farm. But I, I don't know what else everybody else is doing. Um, I was talking to another friend of mine, she, uh, and she said, well, I started cooking. <laughs> She's like, I, before I didn't cook. <laughs> You got a mountain bike or something? Yeah, yeah, I got a you know one of those. Uh, it's like a fat tire bike. I just ride around. Yeah, you know
1: that's things
2: cool. That's things cool. Over.
1: So, how much, Chris, do you miss being up on that stage right now? Because you've been doing it for. You came to Nashville almost twenty years ago now. Been doing it before that. Do you miss being up there with your guitar and your fans?
2: Well, yeah, but uh, you throw out the twenty year number and and the, that just kind of goes by like that. You know?
1: Yeah.
2: Man, I I miss it. It's uh, it's one of those things. I always kind of describe things as as a wheel in circles, I don't know why I do that, but uh, you, part of my wheels missing, you know, uh, and I, I don't get to, that part of me doesn't get, um, get to do its thing and which in turn, um, you know, makes me a whole person sometimes, <laughs> you know, like, and I think maybe yeah. a lot of people are feeling that in, in a lot of different ways. I don't know, but, um, yeah, for me, I, I miss it dearly. I, I miss it, you know, in a severe way. <laughs> I would really like mm-hmm. to get to do it again. I miss, you know, being on stage with the guys, um, you know, being in that circle of, you know, just playing. I miss just playing. Well, I haven't, I haven't played uh, with anybody, or you know, we're gonna right after we get off this call. This you're seeing all this stuff in the background. This is, this is the very start of us trying to. Figure things out, you know, uh, and start playing again.
1: Well, you've got something beautiful in the pipeline that's about to come out. You've had it finished and done basically since January, you were saying, your new album, starting over. I told you a minute ago I listened to it three times, standing in line to vote, so thank you for getting me through that. That was important.
2: Oh, you're welcome. I told him to hold the line so I made sure that <laughs> you were <laughs> he needs to hear well-versed. He needs to, yeah. He needs to hear Arkansas one more time. Yeah, yeah, make right? sure you oh. got the, all the nuance in there. <laughs>
1: so let 's talk about the album, like i said it, I love it it's it 's classically you it 's so good. Um, what did you want to say with this record, and we should tell people that it was done well before any of this happened before there was a pandemic or anything like that
2: yeah yeah it was, uh, it was before we played that show where we shut uh, you know shut things down this we thought we, we were going to be touring uh, to some degree leading up to this record, you know and get to play some of those songs on the road and woodshed and then by the time uh, 2021 rolled around. We were ready to, you know, do it all again. And, um, but you know, we didn't know that when we were making it, we were making it. And even, you know, when we made it, it it probably a couple years worth of, um, you know, making this record. We, uh, we started two Decembers ago, I guess. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we tried some different places. We went to Muscle Shoals, uh, sound in Alabama. And we went to, uh, I call it Hillbilly, Hillbilly Central. It's where Waylon Jennings cut a lot of, all of his records. That's what they called it back in the day. I guess it's Compass Records now. But um, we cut some things in there, and you know, just trying some things, trying some different things. And um, for whatever reason, uh, wasn't wasn't hit, or I felt like we weren't hitting the groove, and, and we just kind of I kind of pulled the plug on it. I said, "Well, let's just tour for another year, and we'll come back and see where we're at." And, and we did that, and then much to my surprise or amazement, uh, you know, a lot of those things that I thought weren't happening are on this record, you know, and and so in perspective of putting everything together, and some of the things got finished. Um, You know, we put strings on cold a year after we recorded the track, you know, so that, those kind of things happened, you know, very far apart, and with a lot more perspective and and eyes on, you know, uh, trying to you know, make it right. And, and so it was nice to get to take that time. I'm sure the label was a little annoyed with me. Uh, Not, you know, they were expecting uh, maybe a fourth quarter release of a year ago, but uh, (laughs) they get what they get, I guess.
1: Worth the wait. You got to give a man his time. I'm so interested to hear you say that you weren't feeling the groove or it didn't feel right to you. What does that mean? How do you know when you're in that room, what's working and what's not working for you?
2: Oh man. Uh, Well, I mean, a lot of it just has to do with your um, headspace. I think you know, like <clears throat> anything creative. I think you, you can you can go in with intentions, and 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 you can either come out with nothing, or you can go in thinking you don't have anything, and you can come out with something really um, you didn't expect at all. And and so for me, when I go into that mode, and I. I get a little frustrated if things are feel hard, or like you have to fight too much in a creative sense. You know, like and so I felt like I was having to fight, or maybe, maybe, maybe even forcing things. You know, I don't know. You know, but when you when you get in, when I get in that headspace, it's not it's not a good creative space for me. So I'm just kind of like, well, let's just back it up and and change directions and get back in touring mode we'll woodshed some and then we'll and we'll come back and see what we've got and that's what we did and and i think it worked out i think it i think we have a a more um kind of uh, well aged album and a, and a, an album with um a lot more depth for it you know um rather than just trying to push on through that because it it allowed me to while there's some of that negative headspace probably showed up and some of the music and in a, in a good way, I think, you know, yeah. um, you you also get some, some, some brighter, <laughs> some brighter, <laughs> some brighter headspace too. And, and I, but that, that gives more to me. That's a, that's a better piece.
1: Have you gotten to the place, Chris, because your first three albums were so wildly successful and you've won three Grammys since I saw you last, so congratulations on that. Thank you. Have you gotten to the place where now, okay, I'm making a new album. We ought to stick to something pretty close to what we've done the last few albums because, man, we know this really works.
2: Uh, well, you know, yes and no. I mean, I don't, I, I barely have any steel guitar. There's no, uh, you know, Mickey Rafael to make an appearance on this record, but I did, you know, get... Vin uh, Tench and uh, Mike Campbell are on this record. So I've got some, you know, some different influences and heroes in on this record. So in that sense, maybe that felt like a departure to me. I kind of just, I think no matter what I w- were to do, I think it would ultimately just wound up sounding like me somehow, you know, unless I you know, decided to only play synths or something like that, you know, and I, and I have, you know, I'm not there yet, but I'm not, I'm not ruling anything out as far as uh you know where my head's going to be who knows maybe i'd take up uh, bagpipes and make a bagpipe (laughs) instrumental record i you know those things can happen those things can happen but um but you have to explore those things if that's what's in your heart you know and and so um this record i think is a lot of what was in my heart and if it sounds like Maybe, I don't know, you tell me, I've had different opinions uh, rendered on whether or not this sounds like some of the older music, or if it's a little bit of a departure. Maybe it's some of both. I don't know.
1: I think it does. And I mean, that as an ultimate compliment, because as you know, I love your music so much. I think it does sound like you, for sure. But you got a couple of covers in there, which are are beautiful. Some Guy Clark, right? John Donnelly. Yeah. Um, You don't do you like doing a cover? Because, boy, there's such a wide universe of songs you could cover. How do you figure out which two or three you're going to actually make and commit to an album?
2: Well, I, I always, when I think about covers, there's always, I mean, you come up with songs and somehow you attach yourself to songs over time, you know, that these songs hit you in a certain way and you like to sing them or you like to play them. And for me, um, you know, all my favorite um a lot of my favorite people always did covers, you know, of some sort. And I, I don't have any kind of ego like I think I'm the greatest songwriter in the world and, and only the songs that I write which should be the ones that I record. I think there are so many uh, great songs that, that, that are, you know, deserve to be sung more than once by more than one person sometimes, you know. It's, uh, you know, back in the day that if there was a cool song that, that happened, everybody made a version of it. Yeah. And, I, and I miss those days. And as a songwriter, I would love for people to start doing that again. If they like a song that say I wrote, and they wanted to do seven versions of it, it'd be fun. <laughs> Preferably your
0: songs.
2: Preferably yeah. my songs. That way, that way, you know, <laughs> you know, it keeps it keeps keeps me in some diapers.
1: You do. I'm gonna say you do have five kids. Now, I got five so kids. So left. if you're out
2: there cutting a record I mean, right I mean, now, it doesn't keep you in diapers. <laughs> doesn't keep me in diapers. No, it no, keeps me. Purch- purchasing diapers,
1: yeah. Is that Morgan? That's, on that that's, yeah, or? that's Morgan. Correcting I'm Morgan. Me
2: on. on <laughs> we don't want people thinking I'm walking around wearing diapers. Yeah, I'm getting older, but I'm not. I'm not there yet.
1: It's bad for the outlaw image. We don't yeah, want that. You
2: know.
1: <laughs> um, so what, Chris, does starting over mean to you? Because a lot of people see this and read. Modern times into it that a lot of people are gonna have to start their lives over. This was recorded and conceived well before that. So, well, it was you wrote the song. What does it mean to you?
2: I think, well, I did write the song and we wrote the song. Um, uh, you know, uh, my co writer and I, we were talking about life and then how, and maybe it was prophetic at the time, you know, it's just like, like, um, there's all these seasons in life, you know, and these periods where you actually have to do that you know you have to start over and and find something something new or find a new way of doing things and 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 that's kind of what that song is but but there's hope in it you know there's hope in having to find a new way and and we wanted the song to feel that way now interestingly enough you keep uh you did note that this record was recorded before all this but the record was not titled before, uh, uh, but I, but definitely the instant all this start, started happening, I, you know, I was like, well, th- that's the name of the record, right? There it is. It was, wow. and that's, that's the first song on the record, you know, and it, just because it felt appropriate. And I'm sure that people would read into it that way. And I, maybe I wanted them to a little bit.
1: No, that makes sense. There's, um, there are a lot of songs that I would call Stapleton songs on this Arkansas, you know, the hard drive and is, are there, when you, When you record these, are there some that you go, man, I can't wait to get up on stage and play that song?
2: Well, I mean, that one we had been playing, uh, you know, the whole year leading up to recording it, and and to the point that I always kind of have some some hotshot guitar players as openers a lot, and and we'd get them up and let them uh, sit in and show off and and have fun, you know, with friends on the road on that song. So, yeah, some of them are are meant to be more, uh, uh, you know, I think, there's different songs for different moods, but yeah, some of them were definitely like, I'm going to like, I'm going to enjoy this when we get to play. this."
1: Yeah. I, that I was thinking of you on stage immediately. When I heard that the song, watch you burn boy. Whew. I mean, that, it stopped you in your tracks. Um, and when I realized what you were singing about there, it took on obviously an even heavier meaning. Um, why did you want to write and record a song about that terrible night in, in Las Vegas a couple of years ago?
2: Well, I mean, lyrically that, that came out as a, a kind of a reactionary thing, uh, in that, in that moment and a lot of it anyway. And, and then I carried that around in my pocket for a little bit because, you know, sometimes I write things purely for, um, uh, you know, um, uh, therapeutic reasons, you know, you, you, you kind of channel emotion through things, uh, song wise, but I, you know, I carried that around in my pocket and, uh, I got out to LA with, with Mike Campbell writing some songs and I said, Hey, I, you know, I've got this thing. I don't know if this is, um, how to say this or how to do this or, and so we worked on it and, and got it to a place that, um, you know, I, I think was pretty, pretty good. And, And I trust Mike a whole lot because I'm, he's one of my favorite guitar players and songwriters of all time. And, uh, and so yeah, when we got it to that place, and and then we recorded it, and and even after I recorded it, I was like, I don't know, is this the thing, is this the thing to put on a, uh, that people want to would want to hear on a record? I don't know, but but it certainly had there was power, in and and then we got the you know the all voices choir on the on the end of it, yeah, uh, and it took it to a whole new place, and it and it does things to me, and I don't not not normally think somebody that would say that about something that I did, you know, like I, when I hear that when. I, you know, it it moves me in a way, and I, and I and I really want to listen to it and and feel it.
1: Yeah, because it's not a ballad, it's not sentimental. You're pissed off in that song.
2: Yeah, a little bit. You know, it's just you know, it's an it's a <laughs> my wife back there shaking her head like, yeah, you're pissed off a lot in that song. <laughs> um, well, yeah, it just you know, it was uh, anger. Yeah. Uh, I think I've got a lot, a lot of anger issues. I'm finding out in, in actual therapy that, that maybe that's true, you know.
1: <laughs> um, so, Chris, as this new album comes out, I mentioned to you a minute ago, next year, I think it'll be 20 years since you got to Nashville, 2001. Is that right? I think it is.
2: Um, yeah. I'm, I'm going to go say yes, that's correct. I'm, but yeah. 20, when you start talking about things in 20 years, in terms of 20 years, it doesn't seem like it just, it just kind of, Like that, man.
1: Well, I I was going to ask you what, I mean, when you think about the guy who got here 20 years ago, trying to figure out what it meant to succeed in Nashville and trying to get some of your songs recorded that you'd written, and now you're coming out with your third album and you got all these Grammys and Entertainer of the Year awards and you're selling out arenas across the country. Do you allow yourself to stop and think about how far you've
2: come? Um... No, I don't really think about it in those tr- – I mean, I because it is – I mean, there are always moments, you know, me and my bass player will we'll talk about this very thing sometimes because he and I are f- kind of from the same part of the country in Kentucky. You know, we're both kind of from the hills of Appalachia, you know, and, and we'll do something, you know, we'll play the Houston Rodeo or, or something that's 80,000 people or, you know, and we'll just yeah. go, man, can you believe this? They're letting us do this, you know. <laughs> and, yeah, and And it's, you know – we, I had a lot of those moments along, along the way. and But even when I got to town and, and, and I got a job as a songwriter, I would go show up to work every morning to write songs and kind of look around to myself and go, can you believe they're letting me do this? They're paying me to sit around with a guitar and write songs. I mean, that's, that's a remarkable thing to get to do if that's what you love to do. And I think that probably feels that way for anybody that loves what they get to do for a living. And, um, it's yeah, it's, it's amazing.
1: I was at, I told you, I was at your show at Madison Square Garden almost two years ago now. And you came out on the stage that night. I was sitting there with my two kids who also love you. And um, you, here was Madison Square Garden, the Mecca, sold out right in the middle of midtown Manhattan. You came out and you said, the last time I played in New York, I think it was the Mercury Lounge or somewhere maybe downtown. Yeah. And you said there were probably a dozen or 20 people there. And then the next time you walk out on a stage in New York, it's Madison Square Garden, and there are 20,000 people there. What does a moment like that mean to you?
2: I once the, the that was a really surreal one because you know the the Mercury Lounge thing that was that was the record release. We we had come up to New York to try to do some press for Travel, the very you know the very first kind of solo record that I put out, and so yeah, that was a you know that was a that felt like a big deal to me. To, I'm in New York. I'm going to promote this album and we're playing the show in New York city, you know, so it's, um, I'd never played in New York city before. And so that, that was a, that was a big thing. But then when you, when you get in the garden and, and you're, that's a thing, you know, like that's a thing that, um, you know, that, uh, I don't know that's that's fairytale, fairytale stuff. You know, it's just kind of like, Hey, I sold out Madison square garden. I mean, when you, when you say that, It feels like that feels like making it in a, in a very big way, you know, like, um, but you know, like I said, we, we, we've gotten to do so many things like that and meet so many wonderful people. And, and it's, it's an incredible, it's an incredible journey so far.
1: And I have to imagine it's gratifying to find success by doing exactly what you do. In other words, they didn't try to come in and make you wear a shiny suit and an outfit that you didn't want to wear or change your sound or what you do. You're just Chris Stapleton, the guy I imagine you probably were in 2001, the way you write and play songs, and so many people have responded to it around the world.
2: Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, obviously there's speed bumps along the way sure. where, or, or detours and things, uh, moments of self-doubt and things like that. And then people that might feel like obstacles, but it turns out that they were just, you know, turning you down the road that you should be, should have been on anyway. So, uh, you know, it was really, yeah, I've been really fortunate in that. And maybe just a little bit stubborn and and you know, methodology, you know, of musically anyway, you know, just always trying to do something that um, I would be perfectly fine playing every night for the next however many years I get to do it.
1: So it sounds like there were some people along the way who said, Chris, maybe if you did this, you might make it. Or if you change this, you might make
2: it. Well, and and no one ever did that in a malicious way or anything like that. Everybody was always trying to help me. Um, And everybody has different versions of what that is. But the truth for me is they did help me, even if they didn't help me in the way that they maybe thought that they were. Like, because it all these things that didn't work led you to the thing that worked, you know, and, and it turned out for me working was just me sitting down, um, with a record label executives and saying, Hey, what I'd really like to do is just make a record and put it out and go tour. And that's what, that's what worked for me. And, and that's, that's a really unusual ask uh, in modern times, uh, you know? And so I'm, I'm grateful that they were uh, willing to let me do that.
1: Hey, guys, thanks for listening to the Sunday Sit Down Podcast. Stick around to hear more from Chris Stapleton and his wife and bandmate Morgan, who joins us right after the break.
2: Hi, I'm Nick Friedman. And I'm Lee Alec Murray. And this is The Anime Effect. We're a brand new podcast breaking down the anime and fandom news you care about, revealing just how powerful the effect of anime really is. Every week, we're breaking
1: down the latest anime community developments and what it means for us fans.
2: But we won't stop at just anime, we'll dig into other fandoms we can't get enough of and invite guests we know you'll recognize to join in the discussion.
1: Whether you're a dedicated anime fan or a casual viewer, we want you to experience The Anime Effect.
2: Tune into The Anime Effect starting February 16th. The Anime Effect is brought to you by Crunchyroll and Sony Music Entertainment. Watch complete episodes on the Crunchyroll YouTube channel or listen wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Welcome back. Now more of my conversation with Chris Stapleton and his wife and bandmate, Morgan. Hey, Morgan, great to see you.
3: Good to see you, Ellie.
1: We figured you were talking to us anyway from off camera. Let's just...
3: I'll always. It's a, it's a safe it's a assumption, really. <laughs>
1: Um, congratulations on the album! It's so good. I don't know if you heard me telling Chris earlier. I was standing in line to vote for five hours yesterday, so I've had it on a loop at least two and a half, three times. It's just amazing.
3: Thank you. Um, I think I how saw you a feeling about it? well. I think I saw a post where maybe you stood in line for like almost five hours. Yeah, <laughs> yes, I did. Cra- that crazy, was yesterday. crazy. Um, yesterday, but I'm feeling excited that you got to listen and excited about um, the record. It's a uh, I don't know. I think I heard you say something about uh, a lot of what's in his heart poured out of this, and um, not that that isn't always the case, but this time I think even more so than usual.
2: Yeah, but I mean, there's a lot of new songs on it too. Like a, yeah. a lot of my past records are, you know, nothing against those songs, but their the songs have been around for a while. So there was actually some writing that took place uh, pointed at this record or writing that took place during the course of time that the record was getting made, you know, Mm -hmm. whether it was pointed or not. And so that's in a lot of ways unique to this record versus the other previous records, the solo records anyway.
1: Morgan, I know you're the first kind of sounding board for Chris. So how does it work exactly? Does he write a song, show you the lyrics? Does he sing it? Does he play it for you? What's the sort of the first cut and, and are you brutally honest when you need to be?
3: Oh, brutally honest! What a funny term. I try to be honest, not so much brutal, but I'm sure a lot of the times it seems that way. I think um, I think he's really stingy with his songs. To be honest with you, there's like a treasure trove on your phone, like in your little voice memos. You're always hiding things away in there.
2: It's just, I'm not hiding them. Sometimes I just forget about them. You know, they're just there. They just kind of show up, and then I find him. You know, a couple of years later, like, oh, that's cool. Maybe.
3: Yeah, well, and you know, it's supposed to happen that way. I, I, that's fine. But yeah, I think that. Uh, I don't know. I'm probably one of the first people you'll play things for if it's sticking with you for sure. Yeah, but I made some suggestions for sure this go round. Maybe not as many as last time because, like you said, it's a lot of new, new things. It just felt obvious. I think from the beginning, like cold. Oh my god. You know that was a no-brainer. Yeah, I'm obsessed yeah. with that one
1: a little bit. What about for you, from your side of it, Chris? How important is it for Morgan to hear it and like it? And when you write it, are you thinking about where she fits into these songs?
2: Well, I mean, she she fits into them because she's in the she's part of the band and part of the sound. You know, that's yeah. you know her singing, and playing tambourine. Um, she tries to minimize it a lot, and she's like, "Well, you guys just go go play, and I'll." come do my thing later. And be like, no, we need you to come over here and do your thing with us. It's part of the thing, you know, so. It's the thing. <laughs> that's that's the thing, you know, like. But, uh, you know, for me, uh, as far as playing her songs and, you know, generally if, if there's, you know, something that she's just like, nope, then that's that's a pretty quick nope for me too. Because I'm, I, I'm very quick to, like, I can write something everybody can think they're a genius like the day that they wrote something <laughs> it's it's a it's an affliction that songwriters have where where they like every day they're like this is the greatest thing i ever did like and there's like listen to this and they're so you're so proud of it because you got this thing that didn't exist before now exists three or four hours later and and it feels very um um accomplished. Well, it's, it's accomplished it's a very awesome feeling you know still to this day to me when when i get you, you know um uh, when I was out with Mike Campbell he would talk about it. you just stick the lightning rod up in the sky and you you get something and when you get to that thing that comes out you don't know what's going to come out and then you get it you get this beautiful thing you know and then but not sometimes they're not so beautiful and you and you think they might be just because you you got to be part of that creative process and they're they're beautiful for the fact that you got to do that But but then sometimes they don't have a purpose you know, they're, they're, they were just an exercise they were an exercise <laughs> to, to get to the next to get to the next song, thing you know maybe, right
3: yeah.
1: right right so what is it like morgan to have a beautiful song written about you um when i'm with you i hope chris is about the woman sitting to your right actually there. No. Um,
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: I mean, for mere mortals who are watching this and have never had a big song that'll be sung and sold out arenas and be on the charts what's that like
2: are you talking to me? Are you talking to uh, um, Morgan? Uh, well,
1: uh,
3: it's very—I um, don't. It's powerful. It's—that's um, it, the best word. That's the only word that's coming to mind. It's powerful. It's moving. It's romantic, and I mean all the obvious things, I guess. Uh, but it's connection too, and a very intimate one f- for me, you know. And I think that other people might hear it and and feel the same way you know maybe with their partner and can relate that way but you're the one actually singing it so it's very special
1: those are the stakes are high Chris when you sit down and write about your wife aren't they you better get that one right
2: well I mean you try to get it as right as you can you're always gonna you're gonna miss something (laughs) but that's why you get to write another song so that's you know, you can fill in the blanks on another song, maybe. But
3: He does really good, I
1: think. I, yeah, I think so, too. I think so, too. So, Morgan, what has it been like for, for you guys to be off stage? We, Chris and I were talking before you came in about doing that one show on March 11th. Yeah. The world shuts down two days later, and the tour is off until next year, we hope. So what was that feeling like to get all revved up? Okay, we're going to start out. We're going to go on tour again. And then all of a sudden, to pull back for now, boy, what's it been? Seven, eight months.
3: Yeah, and what was it before that one show? A few, at least, you know. What do you mean? How many months had it been before that one show we got to play?
2: Oh, before we, and, oh, shoot, we, I mean, we had not played a show since November of the previous year, at, at that point yeah. that we played that March show, so. So we got one. So we got, <laughs> I didn't, I, I never yeah. thought about that, that, I mean, that's, uh, essentially now we're, we're a full year with one show, you Yeah, know, so. wait
3: for, it's. Man, I miss it. I miss it terribly, and I think I took it for granted so much, you know. And the way that you can sort of take for granted routine things or things that feel like they've just become a part of your your everyday, I I miss it terribly, and I cannot wait to get back out and you know, in a safe way when that's possible. And I hope it's I hope it's soon. It's a uh, I miss the camaraderie. I miss the connection with people, and you know that come to see us play. I miss seeing kids, you know, giving them pics or pe- reading people signs or meeting people and hearing how they connect. I miss the connection, and that surprises me because I think a lot of times I feel um, overwhelmed, maybe by the the amount of people. I don't deal well with spotlight kind of situations that's why I think that we make a good team because he can have he can have it all and I'm just kind of right back here you know lifting him up and supporting him but um I miss I miss it
1: it's funny we were talking to Tim McGraw a couple weeks ago for an interview here and he said when you're on the road for six months you think god I want to get home. I want to get to my bed. I want to be around my family. He said. And then you get that time, like we have right now, and all I want to do is get back on the road. <laughs> you know, you miss the thing. You miss the thing you don't have. So I totally, yeah. I totally understand where you're coming from. So um, it, besides Chris changing a lot of diapers, what have these last, <laughs> what have these I'm, last I'm seven at home been like for you, Morgan?
3: A, a lot. Of, I mean, there's a lot of diapers to change, so it's just a, it's a, a juggle situation, you know babies running around everywhere. Wonderful. At first, I think that we were just like, this is amazing. We wouldn't be here otherwise. We wouldn't just be completely immersed in it. There's no other time in our in our lives that we've had that kind of chance to, to do that.
1: Morgan, I want to ask you about the design of the album. I love it. it. The minimalist design with the typewriter font. And I hear that's your work. Is that right?
3: I think that if if you want to call my work, like I did the physical typing, yes. Um, That's work, yeah. But, you know, we were kind of stuck at home and uh, not knowing when we could have a shoot or really the direction for things. And Chris just said, let's use the typewriter. I was like, I can do that. Wine, candle, go. <laughs> and... There it is.
1: <laughs> so maybe I gave you too much credit for this elaborate design concept with well, wine and a typewriter.
3: That's the beautiful thing about a typewriter. It can only do kind of one thing. So you get what you get. And, you know, somebody makes it fit in the in the right, you know, CD or vinyl or whatever. But that's way beyond me. I'm, yeah, I can type though, obviously. Yeah. You had the vision. It looks great. It looks great. Thank you.
1: So how do you feel, Morgan, on the eve of a big album release? What's it like to work this hard with Chris on something and then put it out in the world and wait to see how people are going to respond to it, especially right now when you can't go out and, and tour behind it?
3: That's Yeah, that's an interesting um, part of this year is not being able to do what we normally do and, and sort of feel the love in and, and the room that way. Some of the things I think you were playing... Prior to having made the record, like out on the road, so you know, yeah, for sure, there's some some familiarity there, like with maybe with folks, but uh, it's it's a uh, it's kind of nerve wracking. I'm not worried. I'm not nervous. I think it'll be always well received and and loved. I think people will feel about it the way I do, and I I'm so proud of it. I I'm so proud of Chris, and um, you know, especially songs like Watch You Burn and really kind of going for it, which I know for you is a little nerve wracking, a little like uh, feels like you're putting yourself out there a little bit in a yeah. different way and and him going for it, it. It sparks something in me that gets me excited about how people might, you know, respond.
1: Yeah, what did you think when you first heard that song? First of all, the the issue and the event that he's writing about and then the way he tackled it, the way he treated it.
3: He went for it. Um, You know, it it scared me, honestly. We are a family show. We travel on the road with our kids. And so my first instinct is mama bear, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, just something like that, make you a target or make you, um, I don't know, just you kind of open yourself up on a, it's a whole new I like to say, like a whole new aisle at Target, you know, like you didn't know it was there before. And now all of a sudden you're like, like when you don't have a baby and then all of a sudden you're pregnant and having a baby, you're going down the baby aisle at Target. And it's really exciting and it's new and it's, I'm rambling. Um, so, it's a whole new aisle exactly. at Target <laughs> in that way. Yeah, it just, it's yeah. a It all comes like, down to Target, really. For, for me. <laughs> you're welcome. God, you're welcome, Target. I miss Target. <laughs> the
2: shameless plug right here. Isn't
3: yeah, it? well. <laughs> That we was, love you too, Walmart. That was my thing.
2: <laughs> and Amazon and all, all right, available all right. outlets. <laughs> oh,
3: Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. But I know um, what you
2: mean. Do you think about
1: that at all, Chris, too? Because you haven't been, not that that's a political song, but you're making a statement there.
3: For sure,
2: yeah. Yeah, well, I think, you know, I there's a couple of Guy Clark songs on the record, and and I and I a few times that I got to, the good fortune to sit in a room with him and write songs, um, I would ask him about certain songs of his sometimes and he'd go, well, that's just, that's just what happened. (laughs) Or that's just what it was. Like, or like, where'd you come up with that? He's like, well, that's, that's how that went. You know, that, and so that's very informative uh, sometimes as a songwriter. And that's hard to uh, execute as a songwriter sometimes, you know, I think, you know, to really uh, live in the present and, and have that perspective or try to have a perspective that is uh, uh, proper uh, but you know I think that song was written in that in that space and and with that in mind.
1: yeah I mean you kind of touched on it Morgan you guys are you do such a good job of keeping your lives private and it's so much has changed for you in the last five and a half years or so since traveller came out. So how do you feel like you guys are handling it? I talked to Chris about it. It's been almost 20 years since he got to town. Um you guys were writing songs together and trying to find your way and now here you are. Here you are this amazing band and who's had so much success. Do you do you stop and look back and think about how far you've come?
3: Well th- those are very kind words. Thanks for that. I uh Right now, I feel like we don't have a lot of time to stop and (laughs) do anything. That's what I like. (laughs) I feel really busy. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, gosh. You know, they're all, we have the twins, and, you know, our latest addition is now, like, into everything, and he is all boy and trying to keep up with his brothers. So,
2: But then our big kids are, you know, they're 11 and 9 and and whole new spaces for us as parents in that way, too. Like Our uh Our daughter's nine years old and wearing a size nine shoe. She's like this. She's turning into a woman, you know. It's just like Mm -hmm. it's crazy, crazy things to watch and and navigate.
3: Exciting though, yeah, yeah, terrifying. We share shoes now, which is fun.
1: But (laughs) you're already there. (laughs) We're there. My daughter, who's thirteen, she passed my wife last summer. She can't. In other words, her feet are not bigger than my wife's, and my wife doesn't know what to do about it.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's like it's just like have a glass of wine and maybe a good cry. I don't know. I'd, I dread that. Cause I feel like it's going to be next year or, or the next season even, but I digress. I, no. I, uh, looking, you know, back, it does not seem like 20 years has gone by since you've been in That's town. It's, just,
2: you just like that. it's like a
3: blink of an eye and so much has changed for us. I mean, we were plugging along for a while in a very different rhythm, um, Prior to Traveler. So I feel like we've had a lot of change personally and professionally just since since making that record. A lot of good things and a lot of, all right, how are we going to adjust to this? And, you know, now this year everyone's kind of having to, a lot of new normals and a lot of new ways of working. And, you know, I very much feel that as well. So hopefully we get it all sorted. Miss the road.
2: Seems like there's a lot of people on the roof. Yeah. <laughs>
3: I'm going to keep hammering
2: that home until you have to use it.
1: (laughs) On that note, I think I better go finish cleaning the gutters. (laughs) Because that's what's going on. Before I do do let you go, though, Morgan, you are my sunshine. Your cover is amazing. My producer, Hannah, was like, you've got to ask her about that. Um, It's so beautiful. And do you sing it to the kids? That's the question. Do you sing to the kids?
3: I do. It's a speedier version. It's like the peppier, kind of more familiar one, probably, because it's, uh, yeah. otherwise it's just a little too sombering, I think. But they
2: want to <laughs> listen to it. You know, they they listen to it when, and they know how to talk to uh, uh, an Alexa, you know, like the, and so are, uh, even the, you know, the two-year-olds, and they'll very specifically request it.
3: Yeah. Is that right? And so
2: they, our, they like to go through cycles of it. Our sure.
3: youngest says "Mama," "Daddy," a couple other names, and Alexa, <laughs> because you know that's where the music comes from out of the clouds. And um,
2: but he said that to, he says that to anything that's the shape of a cylinder.
3: Yeah, they all. They, I think they all do. Yeah. But they do request Mama music and Daddy music, and I wonder if they connect that it's. Yeah. They say they want Chris Stapleton because that's how they get to play. That's how she repeats it as well. So yeah, it's just it's funny.
2: Yeah, I'm not sure if they fully make the connection or not.
1: What do they ask for? What are their favorite songs? That's so interesting. What's their favorite Stapleton song? You are my
2: sunshine is is probably high on the list. Definitely. Um, um, They love. The second one to know is is high on the list just because it's you know they like it they have two modes they're kind of like rock and roll or uh very acoustic music they also love like uh alison krauss and mm-hmm. um what are the Nor jones they like real kind of very easy uh sounding uh very beautiful uh music which is why i like to hear the mama and then when they want to rock they'd listen to me
3: <laughs> got good taste, got good taste. Good they're parents. good kids good kids <laughs>
1: You guys are awesome. I appreciate the time. I appreciate you enduring the men on the roof. <laughs> What's going on up there.
3: Thank you it's for having us. so great to see you. Congratulations us. on the album. Thank you. Thanks, thanks for having thanks, us. Mom. Good to talk to you.
1: My big thanks again to Chris and Morgan for a great conversation. Always love catching up with them. The new album, Starting Over, comes out on November 13th. And my thanks, as always, to all of you for tuning in. If you want to hear more of my full-length conversation With these guests every week, make sure you click subscribe so you never miss an episode. And of course, don't forget to tune in to Sunday Today every weekend on NBC. I'm Billy Geist. We'll see you right back here next week on the Sunday Sit Down Podcast.